Welcome to the Early Matters podcast. Uh, we're focusing in on our uh, numeracy in the early years series, and this is our third podcast. My name is Jackie Ward. I'm the Early Years Coordinator, and I'm here with my colleagues, Linda and Juliana. Would you guys like to introduce yourselves? Yeah, hi. Um, Linda D. Marcellus here, Numeracy Coordinator, K-12. Hi, everyone. It's Juliana Lagana here. I'm the Numeracy Advisor, K-6. Very excited to be doing a third numeracy podcast and uh, just to recap for everybody, our first one we talked about, um, you know, numeracy in the early years within the early years learning framework and the syllabus and we talked about its place and, and what does it look like and then the second podcast we focused in a little bit more on the pedagogy and the importance of having a really planned approach to facilitating uh, numeracy skills within children um, and today we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the concepts because one of the things that's fundamental, I think, for a teacher in either space, early years at school or in the early childhood space, is to have a really good understanding of the numeracy and maths concepts in, our, in order to be able to teach them. So we're going to, um, I'm going to shoot over to Juliana and we'll, we'll talk about a little bit about non-exhaustive list, but some of the concepts we're covering today. Yeah, well, I mean, we could have talked about quite a bit, but uh, we're going to narrow it down to sort of a nice list uh, that we think that uh, no matter where you're teaching uh, in the current context that you're at, there's something relatable. So we'll start by talking a little bit about sorting and classifying, uh, moving into some patterns, uh, then a focus on number and some of the different approaches in number and some of the wonderful resources we've got in the department for those early years, um, and then finish up with a little bit of a focus on measurement and geometry and space. All right, well, just before we go into each of those concepts in a little more depth and, and give those examples of resources um, and different types of pedagogies, I think it's really nice to talk about what's the same about those. Um, and really, I, I keep bringing it back to this uh, quote um, or sort of uh, narrative that I heard uh, Professor Di Seaman talk about at one of the professional learning uh, courses I was a part of where she talked about this concept of yellow and how we come to know that yellow is yellow um, and it was all about you know how knowledge is constructed through activity and interaction and reflection on your experiences you know really developing your language but also forming and testing generalizations from a really early age so you know you're exposed to many examples and non-examples of yellow um, and then you start to attach that word yellow to different things and you know you're supported by others you test it out you get it wrong a few times you start to build a mental object um, and, and that's really similar for some of these concepts that we're going to talk about today uh, and we want to really emphasize how many experiences uh, young children need to really develop a strong understanding of a concept uh, so hopefully uh, as we talk through today really remembering that you know through those interactions and those reflections and that physical activity with different uh, representations and materials and testing out that language is a really important part of developing an un a clear understanding uh, of these concepts. And if I can add there, um, Juliana, with what you're talking about, how uh, the yellowness, we can also refer to the work of Anne Jeversoni um, from Monash University. She's working with the COVID um, tutors and there was a really lovely conversation about sort of supporting students and she also reiterated that 
um, to build that concept um, and to understand and to give students many opportunities to be exposed to the yellowness. And she talked about it in like using dice and how long will it take for a student to understand, you know, all those patterns and recognise the dice pattern. And she said over 200. And so um, we can sort of talk about that yellowness that Di Seaman talks about, but also about Anne Jeffersoni and how she really um, emphasises many, many opportunities. And so it takes time to develop all these concepts for students. And then we also want to make sure that we engage um, in the mathematics through what they bring and consider their culture and context um, in which the learning takes place and then use that representation language and the senses and the physical environment to encompass all that and bring it all together. I would like to jump in there too, Juliana and Linda, just to say that, um, you know, your quotes there and your talking there really resonates with the, you know, more of a developmental approach that we take in early childhood and that idea that children develop schemas. And I was thinking the same thing. A very young child will, will know what a dog looks like based on the characteristics of a dog, you know, and again, that's lots of exposure to, you know, parents pointing out that's a dog and, you know, figuring out that it has four legs and whatever, all those sorts of things till you recognise that, you know, there's all different shapes and types of dogs. So I think, yeah, it's a really good point because we don't always think that with, um, you know, things like numeracy or literacy skills, do we, that it's these, you know, like multiple hundreds and hundreds of opportunities to engage with concepts and ideas. And yeah, Jackie, I think, and to add to that, sometimes we're always sort of looking at time and time frame and what we're going to focus this week and what's happening next week. And it's, you know, not necessarily rushing through those concepts, but making sure that we go deep into the development so that, that the yellowness is definitely um, recognised in many, many different um, examples and opportunities. Yeah, and I think that leads really nicely into the first concept that we're going to talk about around sorting and classifying because, like you said, Jackie, and like we've been referencing, children can do that from a really young age. They're looking at things and they're already, like their brains are already deciding what's the same, what makes things alike and what's different. And that's one of the most important questions we continue to ask throughout mathematics and numeracy development is what's the same and what's different. You mean, like from an early age, kids are usually looking at, you know, colours, grouping by colour or grouping by shape, uh, sometimes by textures, uh, definitely by size. You know, kids, from a, again, from a really young age, whether they're dealing with quantity um, of cookies or quantity of trucks, they, they know instantly which representation shows more. Uh, so they're, they're very innately good at sorting and classifying. Um, and so leveraging that um, is a really important thing, especially leading into patterning. Um, so, you know, when we're talking about uh, sorting we're really talking about multiple objects and one of the most beautiful things we can do with students is uh, showing them how to sort and classify in multiple different ways because it's a really nice entry point to talk about number and mathematics being really flexible and we own it we get to make the decisions about how we use these different things um, so it, it's really important that we actually give students um, ownership over the things that they are going to sort and classify as well. So, you know, if, if you happen to have a set of uh, cars in front of you for a selection of students, um, you know, sorting those in different ways or if it's, uh, you know, a selection of fruit and vegetable because, you know, you're choosing your snack or whatever it is. So really leveraging the opportunities that are 
right around them, really of interest to them. Um, but then really talking about that sameness, what makes these the same, uh, and talking about it in different ways, like I said before. So sometimes talking about it with, uh, in terms of colour, sometimes it's shape, sometimes, you know, it could be a breakfast food rather than, you know, something that we usually eat in the afternoon. Uh, so sorting and classifying from a very young age is really, really important. Um, but what we also have, especially in those early years, are some beautiful resources from the department and the math strategy team um, inside of the Thinking Mathematically suite. Um, and there's some beautiful stuff also uh, that supports parents to talk about this with their with their children at home as well. Um, I think it really, really leads nicely into patterning. And we know at the heart of mathematics is that patterning um, and structure. And if I can um, add there, Juliana, about the patterning, like you said, patterns are everywhere. I'm always noticing patterns. I'm looking at dates. I've, when I've worked with my students in my classroom, you know, we're, we're always looking at uh, the environment and noticing all the patterns around us. And I think as a teacher, I've always known that it's an important concept to teach um, and, and to use. And we always sort of sometimes uh, forget the actual structure um, and then components of that repeating unit. So we may sometimes give students opportunities to look at more complex patterns, but we actually have to always come back to what is a pattern and what is it that's making that the pattern, and it's that repeating unit and identifying what that unit is. So if we talk about um, heads, shoulders, heads, shoulders, that they can actually say the heads and the shoulders are the actual piece of pattern that is repeating over and over and they can then repeat it in the other way and do shoulders heads so that we can see patterns moving forwards and also patterns sort of going backwards as well as what's missing um, then you can sort of do heads shoulders knees and toes and then you can almost see the teacher doing heads shoulders missing um, the knees and going onto the toes so that, that students can also see that. And then, of course, you can you can do that with shapes and you can also do it with things outside, with sticks um, and, and exploring that. So if we think about patterns and how important it is, it's really obviously giving many opportunities to explore with creating, making, uh, finding the missing pieces of patterns but also never sort of moving away from what that core structure is of the pattern, really calling that out so that um, students are really aware about what patterns are. Yeah, I was just going to jump in there too, Linda, to give an early childhood example of, you know, being responsive and, and taking the teachable moment, which I think is a core component of what we're saying now. If you need to offer lots and lots of opportunities for children to engage with a concept, you really need to, you know, pick up when a child's interested. I was just recently playing with my um, little three-year-old grandson. He was it was a posting box and it had some, you know, two um, of multiple shapes that were different colours and, you know, we did a little bit of posting and then we just started playing a whole lot of, you know, patterns and groupings, you know, which are the same colour, which are the same shape, you know, some of them had, were from a different posting box so we were able to identify that those were different, you know, I just started creating little patterns that I was trying to get him to repeat. He couldn't, I noticed that he couldn't, he wasn't at that, that point where he could repeat the pattern, but even just the fact that we were talking about what one might go next was still part of the language, which was, you know, like, again, a really great opportunity, I think, to, 
you know, not just rely on what you've got planned, but also be, you know, responding when a child's interested in different things. That's kind of emerged from his interest in that particular posting box. And he was talking about those things. I was just going to add in there um, as well that, you know, to support parents who, who are wanting to have these conversations with their with their children at home, um, another really good place is the Everyday Maths Hub. So, you know, as teachers, we, we're, we're looking for those moments all the time. So whether, you know, I'm talking with my nephew um, about, you know, all of these cars um, have four wheels, but, you know, you can see that the, the trucks and the, you know, the semi-trailers ha- have more than that. Um, you know, we're constantly having those conversations, which are absolutely beautiful. So, you know, the Everyday Maths Hub has really focused on how um, we can support parents to have those conversations. Um, and there's some, you know, really everyday context because that's a, what we're saying, you know, patterns are all around us. These numeracy concepts are all around us. These conversations can be happening and should be happening all the time. Um, so, yeah, there's some beautiful ABC videos that parents can look at. Um, and, again, it's about looking at patterns that are all around us, um, working out what comes next maybe, um, continuing patterns or even just, you know, uh, open uh, asking some open-ended questions that can really just extend on an idea that a student or, or a child's already um, thinking about. Um, but I think... We've spent a lot of time talking about sorting and classifying and patterning and and honestly we could probably spend a lot more time talking about it um, because it really is, there are some beautiful opportunities, especially in the early years, uh, to work on that Um, and it has incredible benefits as well uh, leading into the other concepts. But I think it's a nice time to move into number because um, I think it was, uh, Linda, you were talking about noticing um, patterns on a dice. I think it was with the Anne Jeffersoni conversation. And that's one of the uh, approaches that a lot of people use uh, getting into number as an approach to getting our students into number. Um, and we, you know, we teachers call it supertizing, but, you know, a simple roll of a dice and recognising that three is always three or that the six pattern sort of shows three on one side and three on the other. There's a lot of game-based things that offer us those opportunities. Uh, but supertizing using those uh, dice patterns is a really critical um approach that we have in the early years Um, and you know many students come to kindergarten already knowing some of those patterns and we can really leverage uh, those opportunities into into a number. Uh, One of the other ways is counting and I feel like when I say counting it has many different meanings and layers of understanding for different people including students and especially students um, as they come into school and you know parents can say you know my child can count to 30 already isn't that great Um, but what we need um, students to know is, is that counting is so much more than just those words. It's really important that we can say those words in order um, and, you know, that the order doesn't change no matter what we're counting. Um, but I think it's also really important that they, um, the next thing we start to talk about is that those numbers represent a quantity. So when we're actually counting something, um, you know, whether it's lollies or, or cookies or trucks or whatever it is, that we're actually attaching one of those number words to one thing. Uh, so that, that's another really critical understanding that we have um, in the early years. And the, the biggest one that we see, especially as kids come into kindergarten, is they're counting the same thing twice. So that's where we start to talk about that organisation, how it's really important to start to organise and structure our thinking as little mathematicians so that you know, we can get accurate understandings of quantity. Um, you know, some of the other counting principles, so I just referenced two there. We talked about um, the stable order of counting and one-to-one correspondence. 
Um, one of the other ones is cardinality. So that, you know, if I've got, uh, you know, a group of, of lollies in front of me um, and I count them and somebody asks me, how many do you have? I know that that last number that I counted is the total quantity. Um, and that's a really tricky one. Like, you know, I taught kindergarten for quite a few years um, and I can, you know, someone could, could have just counted something in front of me and I say, how many do you have? And they go off to count again. So um, that's a really critical understanding that most people know as uh, cardinality um, and a really tricky one for students to get that trust into what they're counting because for so long it was just words that they rattled off. It didn't actually... Um, come with that understanding of the last uh, word meaning something a little bit more. The other thing that I wanted to add was around conservation. So that's another really critical one. And again, it comes down to that, you know, sort of organisation that children think that if I have, you know, uh, just say those same five lollies spread out really far, that it's more all of a sudden, or, you know, if the size of the lollies is bigger, that I might have more. Um, so conservation is one of those ones where it doesn't matter if I spread them out or bring them together or they're arranged differently, that that the number, the quantity is still the same. Um, so, you know, as I bring up each of these, I'm really re-emphasising that whilst we think counting is just those number words and it's a really simple uh, process, it's really, uh, it's so incredibly um you know, rich in how much we need to do for students to actually understand each of those quantities, even to just 10. So, you know, of course, we want to move beyond that, especially in kindergarten. But in those early years, um, and as students start to, you know, uh, produce that rote sort of counting um, of the numbers to really bring in what it means to count uh, and attaching uh, objects and quantities as soon as possible. But I was just going to add that um, it just really reinforces, again, I'm kind of come back to some, you know, my developmental theorists' influence in my pedagogy, but the idea that, you know, how important it is for early children in the early childhood phase of development, which is that birth to eight range, really need concrete materials for all those things you were talking about, Juliana, that you need to be able to actually manipulate things in order to get a good concept of, of number, numeral order, all of those sorts of things, and the, as particularly the, you know, the association of counting one thing and knowing that the numbers match those things. And I think it's a really great opportunity if I think about in an early childhood, you know, setting to have, you know, the importance of loose parts or open-ended materials or, you know, baskets of resources that, that children can use in a variety of different ways. I personally like a lot of natural materials like pine cones or things like that because it, it provides a great opportunity for children to be playing with them in their own way, you know, of whatever they're doing. And then when they start to, you know, engage in some grouping or some counting or whatever, you can jump in there as an educator and be responsive and and talk about, you know, what 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 number comes next and how many have you got in this group and what happens if I take this one away and how can we group them in groups of whatever. It's a really great opportunity, I guess. If we think back of all the different um, components that Juliana was talking about, uh, number and all the principles that you know they definitely need time to really uh, it, capture the 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 right thinking that's right behind it trusting each of those principles I know conservation definitely is one of those ones and if you think about if if someone has more um, and it's just because they're spread across that um, you know 
I can just see the little three-year-olds or four-year-olds having a little bit of a, you've got more than me, that's not fair. But in actual fact, it's probably because they're thinking, you know, they haven't got that concept of conservation. So, um, yeah, lots of time is really what is required. And definitely manipulatives is exactly what you said to Jackie. Mm. And I can really see the importance of intentionality here too as a as an educator being really intentional when you're in those sort of moments where you're responding to what children are doing, just being really purposeful that you're bringing in all of the, you know, the concepts that you want to um, be teaching. Yeah, and I think that um, as you guys were talking about, you know, the different materials and things like that, that in kindergarten, you know, there's a really um, big emphasis on the different representations and what they offer. Uh, so you'll notice in the um, Literacy and Numeracy Hub, there's a lot of resources in that K1 sort of space around 10 frames, around dominoes, around, you know, bead strings or what we call rec and recs, um, a lot of subitizing um, sort of uh, resources and then a lot on quantifying collections. And that's a really nice way of talking about, you know, whether it's loose parts or if it's actually, you know, a mathematical representation, that it really is about quantifying um, and that, that was sort of a new word for me even, you know, a couple of years ago. Um, but it really changes how you look at counting a number and turning it into quantifying a collection and, and starting to organise um, our understandings of number. Um, Could I just jump in there, Juliana, because yeah, no, I remembered what you said about that idea because, again, coming back to my grandson and lots of little things that we're playing with and sometimes when he's counting, for example, those same sorting blocks that I was talking about yesterday, he was talking about one was a cross shape, which had four sort of points on it, and another one was a star. And he was just saying that, you know, counting four and the other one had five. But at one point, he didn't remember where he started for the for the star shape. And so therefore, he only got to four. So even helping, you know, identify a starting point, if it's a, you know, a, that you're going around in a number is a really helpful thing to do for children as an anchor point to know where the start is and then where do I finish? Yeah, absolutely critical. Um, and that's a really nice example that, you know, we still see it in kindergarten, um, you know, especially when we're dealing with uh, continuous first discrete uh, collections and having that balance of both. Um, but that was the other thing I, I wanted to mention was that there's um, quite a lot of uh, advantage um, through approaching number through measurement um, because it allows us to also explore with students sort of that notion of equivalence. So what's equal and, and what's um, what's not, what's longer, what's shorter, what's the same, um, you know, what might be heavier or bigger um, and lighter or smaller. So, you know, the, the concepts of measurement really allow us to start talking about those things, but they also really support understandings of number, um, especially around equivalence. You know, we do a lot of um, work with students, you know, beyond, definitely beyond the early years around equivalence. And that's one of the things that we started to notice students don't quite have a good handle on. Um, so using that, that um, you know, that their strengths in measurement to sort of strengthen uh, their understandings in number. And, you know, like there's uh, those beautiful balance scales that we use um, in the early years for measurement, comparing, you know, what's heavier and lighter and how many of these would equal some of those, uh, which would really uh, support students' understanding of uh, of equivalence. 
Yeah, I was just going to just talk a little bit about geometry in that, you know, that sorting and classifying, which you sort of spoke about before and how the all the concepts really do interrelate to each other and, and using the environment to explore 3D um, objects and then relate it back to 2D and, and having that opportunity and then sorting what things are, you know, similar and not um, and different and why they're the same and different and again sort of going back to relating things that they would be using in number whether it be the pine cones whether it be the cars um, you can see a lot of connection between um, and across measurement and geometry. Yeah and I, I think I have to mention that I, I'm really excited by one of the new structures that the the new uh, K-2 syllabus will sort of um, give us next year which is that it starts to link um, and I mean, as teachers, we we're probably doing this already, but it, it, it's nice that within the document that we refer to, that these things are brought together. So, you know, area and 2D space will come together as, um, as structures that, you know, fit together, 3D space and structures such as volume and 3D space. So we're talking about these things at the same time. Uh, we talk about, you know, non-spatial structures so that mass and time do work a little bit differently. Uh, to the other sort of strands of, of measurement. Um, and, and again, the Everyday Maths Hub has absolutely beautiful resources um, to support, you know, teachers as well as parents um, in those early years around those concepts of measurement uh, and geometry. I was just going to jump in there too to say from the early childhood point of view within the early years learning framework, that's a nice opportunity. The way you were describing engaging with measurement is an, so we've sort of been sitting within learning outcome number five mostly with literacy and numeracy sits there, but learning outcome number four, children as confident and involved learners really talks about children, you know, experimenting, hypothesising and, you know, like exploring, you know, the reasons why. So, you know, engaging with measurement in those ways that you described, Juliana, of, you know, like, you know, how many of this and how many of that and is this different and what, what could be the reason is a nice sort of opportunity, I guess, to move into outcome number five as well within the framework. Yeah, and honestly, Jackie, I think we could spend a lot more time on each of those <laughs> concepts um, and, and, you know, also start to think about, you know, how each of the concepts work really well together, that they aren't you know exactly you know with the intention of mathematics nothing is intended to be taught separately or experienced separately that they are intricately related in our world around us um and and so as we're teaching or you know are uh, responding to students where we can find really uh Im important links in the mathematics itself really highlighting that to students uh, and children as they're experiencing it so that they're always thinking about those critical connections I think is a really important thing to be conscious of. And I do like the fact that you sort of called out and I would agree um, uh, that lots of these concepts were things that I wasn't familiar with all of the names and the proper titles and so I thought that was great that you also called out that Juliana because you know, I think people listening, you know, to you would have thought, oh, wow, Juliana's a natural expert on all things, you know, numeracy and maths. But in reality, it's just about, you know, broadening your own understanding and engaging with some ideas and then slowly yourself as an educator realising putting all the pieces together about all, how all the maths concepts fit together and how the numeracy skills are developed. Yeah, no, and, and Jackie, I think the only reason I can say those terms 
multiple times is that once I, I learned that word, and I think it's very similar for how students experience things, is once I learned that word, I saw it so many times. So if I'm talking about, you know, um, that cardinality one, for example, where students counted and then I said, how many do you have? And they went back and counted again instead of telling me that last number word represented the total. It wasn't because I was experiencing it so often, it just became like second, second, my second uh, language to using all these words. So I think it's just about, you know, really noticing these, these things. And, and once you, once I've said it out loud, I'm sure everybody listening to this is thinking about, you know, at least five students who they've yeah. to or a relative that they've recently been doing it, uh, counting <laughs> something with and you just ask how many and, and they go back and count again because they don't trust that. Um, so, you know, Dai talks about, you know, this big, um thing about trusting the counts and whether you know it's, a, it's a, having a mental object eventually but first really trusting and and it takes so many experiences counting and trusting that that last one does represent that total um it it, it takes a lot of practice and a lot of experience so you know back to the beginning of this podcast we talked about how long it took us to learn what the concept of yellow was and, it, and it's all its shades and all of its forms um so you know it it really does take a long time for students to experience things, but also us and to, for us to reflect on. We really do need to be reflecting on how we're talking about things, where our focus is, what we're responding to at different points in time, um, how we're extending students' thinking, knowing where our, you know, our end goal is. I think all those things are really um, important in building our understandings around these concepts. And if I can just sort of add, obviously, um, to that conversation that you're just having, Jackie, about knowing all the rich dialogue, you know, the department definitely has um, lots of tools that can support teachers. Um, and if I can sort of give a plug to the numeracy guides, um, the kindergarten to year two, it really does support teachers with conversations and educators um, around some of those really key ideas just to unpack. Um, I'll have to double check if cardinality is in there, but there's definitely lots of uh, resources um, again to support teachers because it is important to build that conversation to know your content so that you can do exactly what Juliana did is take those opportunities in the classroom and know what she is looking for because she has understood what it is that the outcomes are telling her um, to sort of observe with students and uh, and their learning. Yeah, great opportunity for us too to, to promote that um, on the Early Learning website. We're about to publish some um, literacy and numeracy in the Early Years Learning Framework and the links and all of those concepts as well. So there's lots of resources out there. Feel free to engage. You know, just because you're in the early childhood space doesn't mean you can't have a look at the stuff that's, you know, intended for this school audience and adapt and vice versa. So um, I think it's a nice point in time to wrap up the podcast and the series and to say a big thank you to you both. Um, it's been a great um, opportunity to chat and unpack some of these ideas. But hopefully we've influenced some um, great pedagogy. Thanks, Jackie. Um, I'd like to say thank you on behalf of, um, you know, obviously Literacy and Numeracy for inviting us um, for this uh, three-series podcast. We really have enjoyed it. Yeah, I agree, Linda. I think I think the best thing about um, engaging in these podcasts, and I'm hoping it's the same for the the person listening on the other end, is the reflection opportunity that it gave us. So it really helped us, you know, 
have great conversations but really tighten our focus, really reflect on our own experiences and our own practices uh, um, and just to have a lovely conversation about how to build little mathematicians who have an absolute love for what they're learning um, and a really positive disposition towards numeracy and mathematics. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you. Bye.